This program is part of Film Geek Radio. Visit filmgeekradio.com for more great shows. Welcome to the special episode of Cinema Fix. I'm Frank Reddy, joined by Andrew Johnson. How are you doing, Frank? I'm well, Andrew. Thanks. How are you? Doing okay. Why don't you explain to our listeners what this bonus episode is all about? Uh, Andrew and I have decided to do a mini-series of four episodes building up to Marvel's The Avengers that's kind of kicking off the summer blockbuster season here uh, this upcoming May. And each episode will focus on one of the heroes set up for the Avengers movie. Uh, Today we're going to be doing Iron Man. Yeah, I think that it's worth revisiting some of these Marvel films, not only because is this a little bit unprecedented in terms of what they're doing, in terms of taking all these separate films and these separate characters and bringing them all together. As one entity. Yeah, in one film. But also just because I think all these are interesting characters, and I think that all of these movies have been interesting in one way or another and had some pretty interesting things to say about America and heroes in particular. So why don't, before we get started, uh, here is a clip from the first Iron Man movie, which came out in 2008. Oh, that, uh, that went well. Uh, Did I just paint a target on the back of my head? Your head? What about my head? What do you think the over-under on the stock drop is going to be? Optimistically, 40 points. At minimum. Yep. Tony, we're a weapons manufacturer. I'll be Tony. I don't want a body count to be our own legacy. That's what we do. We're ironmongers. We make weapons. My name on the side of the building. And what we do keeps the world from falling into chaos. Not based on what I saw. We're not doing a good enough job. We can do better. We're going to do something else. Like what? You want us to make baby bottles? Okay, Frank. Um, as mentioned, you know, we, we don't need to really stick to the first film. We can also talk about the second film. But we, where do you want to kick things off in terms of talking about Iron Man and, and this character? What is the most interesting thing about this property to you? Well, I think we have to – I think we almost have to start with that this was kind of the first – movie that was released under Marvel as an independent film studio property. Like this could have really either made or break them. I mean, obviously they already had Incredible Hulk in the pipeline for a month later in June, I think it was. But, you know, this really was going to set the tone. So it's interesting that they chose to lead with Iron Man. I I think Incredible Hulk came out after Iron Man 2. No, it came out after Iron Man 1. It was the same summer. Are you sure? Uh, Andrew, please. You're insulting me. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, this was kind of... He's looking it up right now. I am. He doesn't believe me. He's about to have egg on his face like you would not believe. Yeah, this was kind of a big deal in terms of they... they Marvel had announced that it was going to be making its own uh, its own movies, and people were kind of like, well, what's that going to be like? And people suspected that they might have this grander plan in the works about making these different films and then bringing them together for the Avengers. But I don't think it was definitely a done deal. No, until until we see how the... Because these were kind of second-tier heroes. These weren't your Spider-Mans or your Supermans. 
Right, and I think if Iron Man had flopped, yeah, that would have basically just been the end of the whole affair. Yeah. So, I mean, can we look at, I guess you got to go back to this character of Iron Man that I guess makes him interesting. And I think what really sells me on it is the fact that it really is at its best, I think, about a guy who has made all of his money off of selling weapons, is kidnapped by terrorists, and out of that experience decides that he doesn't want his legacy to just be death. And in order to avoid that, he the irony of it is he avoids it by creating the ultimate weapon, like the world's best weapon. But instead of distributing it out into the world, he says, okay, I'll create just one, and I will use it to make sure that it's used appropriately. Well, yeah, I, I wasn't kidding earlier when I said that I think these movies, to a large extent, are about America. I yeah. mean, Tony Stark in the first Iron Man movie is the quintessential symbol of America. He's very much, he's rich, he's powerful, arrogant, he's, he's arrogant, he's smart, he says he makes weapons that you only have to use once. He's, he's very much all about showing America's might in the world, and he's ba- he basically argues, you know what, it's okay if you want to go attack some country, just use one of these babies, so that way they will be too intimidated to attack you back. Yeah. I mean, so so essentially, like the United States, to some extent, he is profiting off of war and he is profiting off of destruction and violence. And then you're right, there's this huge irony that I think, you know, Jeff Bridges at one point in the points out to him, points out, you know, you made a masterpiece of death and trying to get rid of weapons. You've made the ultimate one. Yeah. He says, how ironic uh, to get rid of to get rid of all the weapons you ended up creating its best one. Yeah. You know, you you can't rid the world of of uh, weapons. You can't uh, de-arm the world by just creating another armament, <laughs> yeah. essentially. I mean, I think that I, I feel like that's the fallacy that we we teach ourselves, and that we 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 tell ourselves that you know the only way to have world peace is to uh, have war. And yeah. to fight for world peace. <laughs> you know, oh, the terrorists are threatening world peace. We need to go declare war on them. Yeah. But I mean, I think what I think it's such an interesting character, though. And I think that the casting of Robert Downey Jr. is like his first. I mean, he'd been in other kind of comeback roles before, but this was like his major. This, this was his big comeback. Arrival. Yeah. yeah. And I think he brings so much to it just in terms of the smarts and the humor and playing some guy who could come off as a complete dick and making him likable. Right. And and what I really what, – what I think – what I like about Iron Man 1 that I think that kind of lost in somewhat Iron Man 2 is it very much is his – is that journey of, okay, I've had a near-death experience. It's made me reevaluate my life. You know, I don't think it's necessarily productive anymore to be ch- pumping out these weapons into the world because they're, ha- they're ending up in the hands of the wrong people, and I'm going to go, and I'm going to take them out of the hands of these people. Right. But, you know, at the same time, I feel like at the end of the day, Iron Man is a pretty politically conservative franchise in the sense that it, it basically is reaffirming that idea that... You need the biggest stick. You need the biggest stick, and in the hands, in the right hands, yeah, 
you know, the, 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 all this power is, is okay. You know, uh, Tony Stark even says, I think I have it written down here. He actually, he actually says in the film, I don't want this power winding up in the wrong hands. Maybe in mine, it can actually do, do some, some good. good. And then later on, Jeff Bridges says, you know, these, these, these are weapons that will put the pallets of power back in our hands, which are the right hands. Yeah. So, the film does expose that that idea that everybody thinks their hands are the right hands. Yeah, and that's what makes it interesting to me is you essentially have a hero and a villain who both almost have the same philosophy. Right. They just have a different viewpoint of what it means to have the right hands. Yes. And I think ultimately, even though I find the film tremendously entertaining, I think it's a really, really fun superhero film, I'm a bit disturbed at the end of the day that there isn't more done to ba- to illustrate how essentially Tony Stark is really not that much different from Obadiah Stane. And in many ways, he is a bad guy. He is someone with with this incredible power who feels like, well, I can do what I want because I, my hands are the right hands. I, I would argue that what, what separates it is Obadiah Stane is looking to profit from it. Like he's looking to pump it out in the world and sell it. And, and Tony Stark at this point is more like, well, I, I don't want to profit from this. Like I'm doing this because I honestly believe it's the right thing to do. But see, but, but again, I feel like you can use that argument has been used throughout history to, to promote a variety of, uh, of, of terrible things. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I just, I, I like that they kind of keep it. I think that's what makes it interesting, though, is they keep it ambiguous, is they don't try and reconcile it. Uh, I mean, I think. Well, well, well I mean, you, you pointed out, uh, we were talking before the show about how Shane Black yeah. uh, basically advised Sean Favreau, the director of the film, that he should model Tony Stark after Oppenheimer, yeah. who created the atomic bomb. So if we think of to- Tony Stark as an Oppenheimer figure and we think of Iron Man. As some as something basically in 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 essence like like a like a nuclear bomb, mm-hmm. this new form of technology, this new weapon that could be used for great destruction. I mean, ultimately, we dropped the atomic bombs on Japan yeah. because we felt like it was the right thing to do. Yeah, and it then Oppenheimer spiraled into depression. Right, right. So again, this is a, it's, it's similar to that in the sense that you hear you have a character who feels like yes, we are I have the right hands. I'm only going to use this power and this weapon for the quote unquote right things. But at the end of the day, is it really the right thing? Well, that that's what I feel like. Part two tried to explore to varying degrees of success, which was how that responsibility wears on him a little bit, and they even have that whole big. Um, Senate meeting where it's like we think that the United States of America should have ownership of this weapon. We think that the government should be the one who regulates it. And he's saying no, 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 no. Right. And again, it, it's 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 interesting because the film it it has this distrust of government. Yeah. And this distrust of the system and the idea that no, 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 if this power winds up in the hands of government right it's going to be misused he doesn't want to see it mass produced and right. used yeah but then there's this I, there's this real kind of idealization of the power of the individual yeah and the idea that well if an individual has this power it won't be 
corrupted. Yeah. And it won't be used for good. And I'm not sure I believe that. I, I, you know, I don't know if I believe that either, but to me, that's the interesting thing about all the Marvel superheroes. Marvel's always had, has always had the brand of being, these are people who are profoundly screwed up. Right. Who have issues and baggage and things like that. And to me, that's the interesting thing about something like the Avengers, and I hope they follow through on this, is you, all of them are individuals with extreme power. Right. Who are, who are like loose cannons. And how do you corral all these people and put them towards a productive end? Well, it's interesting if you're comparing heroes because, you know, Tony Stark is, as we mentioned, kind of this arrogant, genius, playboy douchebag. Yeah. <laughs> to a large extent, who does, at the end of the day, seem to feel like my hands are the right hands. Yeah. I can harness this power and I I deserve to have it and I'm the right person for the job. If you compare that to something like Thor where the main message of that film seemed to be, no, you arrogant jerk. Yeah, Thor is about learning humility. Yeah, you're not ready for it. You can't handle it. And honestly, I feel like the ending of Thor is almost promoting a very nonviolent approach to handling conflict. It's very much about trying to be diplomatic and peaceful as opposed to just using the hammer all the time. Yeah, I think Thor's about him learning that leadership isn't just about, you know, let's go into battle. It's about doing what's best for the people you're leading and right. and the people you're trying to protect. And right. that's not always, let's go smash something. Whereas I feel like Tony Stark is very much the, yeah, uh, if you screw up, I'm going to step in and take care of it. Yeah. You know, I will use this weapon and I will use this power against you if I feel like it's the right thing I need to do. Yeah. And I think that's that's a little bit dangerous. <laughs> yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you. I, and I I mean I think there are def I don't think he's a bad guy. Like I don't you don't get the impression that he's an anti hero in the movie. Right. Or at least I don't. Well I I kind of feel like he he should be though. Okay. Because I feel like as you mentioned, like Thor, he's a guy that needs to learn some humility. And he's a guy that needs to learn that maybe having the biggest stick isn't always the best route to take. Yeah. And I'm not sure enough attention was placed in the movies on, on that that paradox, that idea that, oh, I'm giving up my weapons division. But I'm creating the best weapon but ever. I'm creating another weapon. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so essentially, has Tony Stark really changed at all? Not really. I mean, I think it depends. I think in the sense that he's looking to do something meaningful with his life and that he's become aware that there is a cost to it, I think yes. And I think you have to measure how much you allow – you still want him to be interesting. Like you, you can't have him solve all of his issues. You still want him to be someone interesting. But see, I feel like they didn't even point out that that is an issue. Yeah. No, I mean I could see where you're coming from there. I feel like Tony is very much presented in the films as the hero and as the good guy and yeah. to be on his side and what he's right about everything. And then at the end of the day, I'm thinking about it and I'm like, I don't know if he is right. Well, I don't think you're supposed to think he's necessarily right because I think there are times in two where you're like, okay, this guy's spiraling out of control and that's but, – but, but, but we're never – I don't think we're ever really called to question – that idea that, oh, it's okay for an individual to have all this power. Well, actually, well, there's a part, part in part two, Don Cheadle steps in and is like, okay, I'm taking this. Oh, that's true. And tries to shut him down. Right. 
because they, they they do kind of, they do I think you do it through the character of Rhodes and through his doubts like you know I don't think he can handle this right. like I don't think that he's responsible enough to so I think you are you're I, I think part two and they just didn't do it as well as they could have I think is about trying to get into the point where he's up to handling if you're gonna say okay I'm Iron Man then trying to help him get him ready to the point where he's ready to accept the responsibility of having the the best weapon in the world. Right. And the crushing responsibility that comes with that. Maybe it's because of my politics or whatever, but I kind of feel like I would prefer a film that was questioning our our need for these weapons at all. Yeah. That made Tony Stark question, you know, why why, why do I need Iron Man? Is that really the best policy? Yeah. Yeah, I can fly to the, to the Middle East and rescue this village that's being attacked. But if I'm killing all these terrorists and just causing more conflict, at the end of the day, what am I really accomplishing? I don't know. No, I think you're definitely right. I think that would make, be an extra interesting focal point. I, I still feel like the movie for me works. Like, it's an entertaining movie. I like the characters a lot. And, you know, he's probably, he's by far, my, I think, my favorite out of all the other characters. Well, well yeah, he's just a fun, he's, he's just, just a, a fun, fun guy. Yeah. Uh, he's sarcastic and witty, and he, he's got some good banter. And we, you know, I think we want we want to root for him. But at the same time, you know, there's that scene, there's the congressional hearing scene. Yeah. In um, in in the second one, where he's basically just like, yeah, this is mine. This is America. It's my property. I can do with it what I want. Yeah. And that's kind of a scary thing if you stop to think about it. It is. It is. Like, because at the end of the day, what's to prevent Again, another Obadiah Stane yeah. or uh, another Ivan Venko or someone else from coming along, creating some incredible weapon and basically saying, yeah, this is mine and I can do what I want with it. They deal okay. with that in the second movie, too, where it's like when Ivan Vanko comes on the scene, they're like, well, you said nobody else would have this technology for many, many years. And now we're all dependent upon you to save our ass. Right. And... It does. It. I think it does try and kind of tackle. Well, what's the best cause? And I don't know if you're supposed to take like Don Sheetle getting the War Machine armor as like a compromise type situation. But you know, I don't know how comfortable I would feel with the government having the Iron Man armor either. Like, I, I don't think right. I'd be comfortable with anybody having it. Exactly. It begs the question: like, should anybody really be Iron Man? At least with Tony Stark, it's just one guy, right? As opposed to like a whole army of Iron Men. Right. Um, because there's that you just, it just makes you think of with the ultimate power, power corrupts. It's like if you can go and just decimate another country's defenses like that, what's to stop you from doing it? Right, and I think that's the question that ultimately all of the superheroes are yeah. have to face at some point or another. Is at what point have I become too powerful for my own? Right, and it's neat to kind of think of the Avengers as kind of just like this collection of freaks and misfits. Right. Right, who aren't quite human anymore, but have all the flaws of human beings. Right. right. I mean, I mean, it's 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 all fun to think that oh, if I have superpowers or I have this amazing technology, I'll be I'll always use it for good and I'll always use you know uh, achieve my ideals and live up to high standards and I won't misuse it. But at the end of the day. It's what what is good. It's it's yeah. It's a it's a pretty gray zone some of the time as to what you should be using that to yeah. do. Um, and I think I I hope that the Avengers 
explores that. I hope the Avengers film isn't just, oh, you're the heroes, go save the day, woo! I hope, you know, I hope it is actually questioning, is this heroic? Yeah, or is this group of people together more dangerous than it is productive? Right. Is it just a loose cannon? I mean, and let, let's be honest, Obadiah Stane and Ivan Venko, neither of them would have come into being without Tony Stark. Right. So, you know, at the end of the day, by creating these superheroes, are we in essence just creating villains? And are are, are we just creating more problems? Yeah. Um, it's kind of like a, that's like a classic Batman theme almost. Is, is, is Batman inspiring the insanity around him or is he responding to it? Right. Though you have superheroes around to keep the peace, would the world be more peaceful without them? Yeah. And I think that, I, I hope that these films start to explore that a little bit more in the future, because I feel like they've shied away from that issue. Well, I feel like if we look at this in terms of phases, we've had phase one of the movies, which is, this is this character, this is what they do, this is the Avengers... And then I would almost see this as like phase two is, okay, we've established this world and the place of each character in this world. Now let's take a look at some of the larger issues here. That's what I mean I would hope for, which is having set up this world and the people in it, what now? But at the same time, though, you have to ask yourself, because these are big budget Hollywood films, because there's a lot of money going into them, because there are a lot of different political factors involved in their production... Is it likely that we will get a film that would question some of these institutions? You hope so. I mean, you hope you get filmmakers who are passionate about the material and who want to, and who are so invested that they want to explore every nook and cranny of it. Right. That they want to see what really makes these people relevant. Here's here's what I think it comes down to, the big question for me, and not just about superhero movies, but about, to some extent, movies in general, is that... Will we ever get a big budget film that promotes peace when violence is what's profitable and violence is what passes for entertainment? Is it possible to get a radical film questioning this idea of what is heroic, questioning is it true that the biggest stick is always the best policy? Will we ever get that sort of film from a system that thrives off of violence for profitability. I don't know. I think it depends on, I mean, just sticking with our Marvel theme. I mean, if you look at the incredible Hulk, that's the protagonist there is almost the opposite of Tony Stark, where it's a guy who he was misled. Bruce Banner was misled during his research where he thought he was creating insulation to protect soldiers from radiation. So essentially he was creating medicine, not a weapon, but he was actually, they wanted him to improve the captain America formula accidentally turned himself into the Incredible Hulk. And now the whole the whole plot of the Incredible Hulk is he's on the run to try and cure himself, to get rid of this power before the army can find him and exploit it and right. recreate it. Right. So that's almost a more he's he's like a more peaceful the paradox with him is he's a peaceful guy who when he loses his temper It just becomes pure rage. Yeah. Right. Right. So yeah, there's a lot of really interesting ideas and I think a lot of interesting paradoxes being explored in, in these superhero films, especially in Iron, Iron Man. Man. Yeah. I think that's honestly, if, like if you were to ask me why I thought these films were successful, 
I think it's because of things like that where it's just characters with so many interesting contradictions that you just you want to spend more time with them. Right. And they're done they're done in a fun way. They're not done in like a brooding dark ponderous way. Right. They're still fun. And also you know because as we mentioned Tony Stark is in many ways America. I mean, we are a nation of contradictions. Yeah. We are a nation that has certain ideals we don't live up to. We are a nation that says we believe certain things and then behave act, another way. Yeah, we behave another way. You know, and we, we, we are a country that is in many ways a giant paradox. So I think perhaps you're right in that that is why we are drawn to Iron Man and to Tony Stark in his dilemma. But at, see, at the end of the day, though, it makes us feel good about those problems and about those contradictions. Yeah. It doesn't really make us... It, it doesn't take us to any really dark places right. and have us brood on them. Right. Uh, it's just kind of like, man, those are some crazy contradictions. Let's go watch stuff blow up now. I don't know. It it seems like in a way he's a very – he's kind of like a dark character in some ways because it's like he's a guy who has this epiphany and really doesn't seem to want to really be – go down as being like the destroyer. Like as his legacy of being like violence and destruction, but he right. can't seem to escape that that's just who he is. I know in the comics there was that whole demon in the bottle. About, yeah, the whole threat about his alcoholism, mm-hmm. um, which they haven't explored yet in in the films. But there is that I again that idea of okay, I want to leave behind a better legacy, but is this the better legacy? Yeah, and if I'm an alcoholic. Should I really have all this power at my fingertips? Yeah, and I think that's kind of the tension of this Iron Man series is can I use this power constructively? Right. Is can I take it and do something good with it? And as the viewer, you're really not sure. Yeah. I mean, you're really not. How great would it be if the ult- the, the, at the finale of the Avengers, they all just kill each other? <laughs> Problem solved. That would be the very cynical look at power, but I think kind of a, an interesting and maybe appropriate one. The yeah. idea that, no, you really can't handle all this power responsibly. It doesn't matter who you are. And that really is the theme throughout all these movies is the use of power. Right. I mean, in Hulk, it's the army wants to exploit it. He doesn't think it should exist and wants to get rid of it. Right. But he uses it in the end when he has to to beat a bigger threat. Right. Captain America, they make a big deal about how Steve Rogers can handle the power because he's never had it before. He respects it. He's been a runt his whole life. And he so he understands what it means. To, to be able to defend Which himself. doesn't make sense when you start to think about it. I kind of feel like, well, if you've never had power before and then it suddenly is handed to you, you're probably more likely to misuse it. I think you have more reverence for it. I can see where they're coming from. Like if you have more reverence for what you can do with physical strength. Right. And I think if you've been the victim your whole life, you understand what it's like to get pushed around. Mm-hmm. I just I think that's an interesting thread. And we'll see if the, if the, the Avengers is the culmination of that. Yeah, and I'm looking forward to talking about Hulk and Thor and Cat America in in more detail and revisiting those films to see how they deal with that issue. Because I think you're right. I think that probably is the key, the key thread of the, of all these movies is how do you, how do you handle power? Yeah. That's always been the Marvel thread from Spider-Man to anybody else, which is ordinary people with power who are messed up. Right. Right. All right. Is there anything else you want to say about Iron Man? No. Okie dokie. Well then, I guess I'll wrap it up for our bonus talk about Iron Man. Be sure to tune in to our to next week uh, when we will be discussing Incredible Hulk. Yeah, and Edward Norton. <laughs> yeah, and Mark Ruffalo. And Mirror Mirror. 
No. And Eric Bana. Eric Bana. Oh, I forget about him. He, he can't talk about Hulk without talking about Eric Bana and, and the Hulk. That was a terrible movie. <laughs> we have to revisit it. We'll okay. talk about it. Okay. <laughs> Let's do it. All right. We'd love to get your feedback on the show. You can email us at cinemafix at filmgeekradio.com or comment on the website at www.filmgeekradio.com. Uh, we, you can also subscribe to us on iTunes, so please subscribe and write us a review. Let us know what you thought of the show. We want to know what you think about Iron Man yeah. and these superheroes and the Avengers. Are we overanalyzing things? Why can't we just, like, Frank, why can't we just sit back and enjoy the superhero movies? Because we're nerds. Because <laughs> <laughs> we're film geeks. Yeah. All right. Uh, Frank, where can people find you online? Uh, you can find me on fjready at twitter.com or quite frankly television.wordpress.com. You can find some of my writing at www.filmgeekradio.com and you can follow me on Twitter at twitter.com slash writer Andrew. If you're a listener, be sure to uh, follow me and send me a message. Let me know that you're a listener and I will follow you back and we'll keep talking about Iron Man. Oh, don't forget to tune in to our regularly formatted episodes of the show. This week we uh, we talk about the Hunger Games and get pretty in depth on that. And next week we're going to be talking about Mirror Mirror, which I'm kind of looking forward to in a weird, twisted way. I am not looking forward to it in what I feel is a very normal, healthy fashion. Okay. <laughs> All right. As always, I'm Andrew Johnson. I'm Frank Reddy. Have fun this week getting high on cinema. Thanks for listening. This has been a Film Geek Radio production. Film Geek Radio. Yeah.